Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the show. Vassos is here. Knock a doodle No one Nicholas Martin is here. Hello. Uh, Rachel's here. Greetings. And soon Peter Andre will be here. Tell me about Peter Andre. Andre, please, Rachel. How many years do you think Peter Andre has been in our lives, in our sort of collective showbiz lives? So how old is he or how long has he been doing not, his uh, thing? Yeah, how, how long have we known of him? Well, I know Mysterious Girl was 94. Oh, OK, that's, so that's good 20, knowledge. 20, 29, 29 Yeah, years? almost 30 years. Almost I feel 30 like years. he's only been around for about five. Hang I think that second. says more about Here we go. Age. There we go. In Here the sunshine. He's in that waterfall and he's dancing. I actually thought that was an 80s hit because it's got a lot of 80s about it. It's got a lot of aswad about it, you know, don't turn around, that kind of thing going on. My favourite bit is his hair, those curtains. Those curtains epitomise the 90s. Well, he's coming on the show because he's written a kid's book and I do believe uh, yet more child labour has been going on in Barnes. (laughs) Yep. Um, (laughs) Written by Peter Andre, Super Space Kids Save Planet Drizzle Bottom, illustrated by Katie Kia, because... Uh, our Mary... Well, she's our book reviewer, isn't she? She's our kids' yeah. book reviewer. Um, now, my dad and stepmom Annie have been getting in her ear saying, we keep hearing you on the radio, Mary, you should be paid. And no, the answer's no, no. This is... Free labour, and thank you very much. We're very grateful, Mary. Thank you. You're very good at it. Yeah, but if you do pay your kids, they can then buy coffees on the way into work when Dad's forgotten his credit card like Noah did this morning. Thank you, Noah. No problem. Is thank Noah you. being paid for today? What? Is Noah being paid for well, today? Well, so far, he's not actually done anything. <laughs> so when he does... He said hello. What? He said hello. OK, we're not going to pay him by the hellos. Per word. That's what you need to negotiate, Noah. Do you think it's Do you think it's a good lesson, a good protocol, um, Do you to, to lay down to the fact, to the fact you're You'll get paid by the word just for saying hello. I mean, it's worth trying. Dad's been doing for years. Yeah. I like that. No, Peter's going to get me out of everything today. Uh, Mary's review of Peter Andre's book is Justin. I thought Super Space Kids was brilliant. Drizzlebottom is a very funny name. And it's true. People do get boring and great when they just sit looking at their phones. We're not allowed phones at the table, which is good because we don't want to be grey like the drizzle bums. <laughs> 52 words. That'd be, but, you know, 52 pounds. What's or... her rate? Oh, I don't know. Look, I'm happy to go a penny a How word. old is she now? Is she eight? She's eight going on nine. OK. Um, so she says we're not allowed phones at the table. Does she have a phone? No. But none so, of us sounds is. like she does. She says, we're not allowed we phones are, at the table. We're our family. Well, she's your, she's your family. Yeah, she doesn't have a phone. But if she did, she wouldn't be allowed it. Maybe she does table. have a phone. Maybe she's got a secret phone that she's honest. bought with maybe all the she's... money she's earned from all the book reviews she's yeah, done. Yeah, also, if you're not paying her, maybe, you know, she's she's contacted. She's a wise kid. already be invoicing. She's contacted an agent. No, she's probably doing voiceovers and things yeah. like that. Oh, they're so far ahead of us anyway, the kids. I mean, whenever I tracks? try and sort of confiscate one of the phones, they've always got, like, burners here, there and everywhere. Of course they do. <laughs> 
Berners, she's yeah. not a spy, she's eight. Well, what a by great the, cover. Yeah, by the way, if she, is, a, if she is an eight-year-old spy, um, then uh, she, as of yesterday, she's allowed her to two as well. We know that. MI5 it's, allowing the spies to have tattoos. Have you checked? She got a tattoo. She's, well, she's, she's talking about getting her ears pierced. Right. But she's halfway to a tattoo, isn't it? No, it's nothing. To, why is it the same? Why is it halfway towards a, a tattoo? It's the same area of you know. Area. You get her ears tattooed. It's like saying a fork's halfway towards a spade. Yeah, exactly. No, it's not. It doesn't indicate you're going to start gardening if you want to eat some food. They're both ever. implements. Does it? It's crazy. Cra- this guy is a crazy guy, and we're, once again, Rich and I are working with him till ten. This is not easy. I hope you appreciate. All our effort. Noah's got a job, haven't you? You do actually do have a job now. I do indeed, yeah. Where's your job? Um, I work in Hambledon in the little village shop. And the post office there? Yeah. Post office slash shop, post slash, slash uh, tea room, slash mm. toasty haven, toasty, I don't know, whatever it is. And um, you, you serve behind the counter. What are you allowed to do? Because you're allowed to work from the age of 14, which is why you're there. Exactly. So I'm allowed to serve behind the counter uh-huh. um, and I make all the toasties mm-hmm. and I do all the smoothies mm-hmm. and I help stock everything. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. By the way, that that that, that the, the voice you heard there isn't Barry White incarnated, reincarnated. It's Noah. Mm. Hello. <laughs> I work in Hamilton Post Office. I make the toasties. <laughs> I'm only 14. Uh, 37 words there, Noah, if you want to invoice later. Uh, <laughs> 41 if you include mms. <laughs> What's the most popular toastie? Uh, the most popular toastie is the ham and cheese toastie. Of course it is. But oh, we also do... Ham and uh, cheese and tomato, ham, cheese and tomato, and brain cranberry. Yeah, and they do juices as well, don't you? Smoothies. We do smoothies. Sarah's in charge. Who else works in the shop with you? Um, we've got Georgina, we've got uh, Lorraine, we've got Pia, we've got um, Monty. Alice, Monty, we've got Monty. Yeah, coolest guy. It's great, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's a really awesome. happy shop. The villagers don't like it when we mention Hamilton, but the shop does. <laughs> clearly. Uh, two different agendas there yes. what you've got going on um, yeah that was Noah who used to say well n- say hello again. hello say good morning welcome to Planet Plan- you know how the show works good morning welcome <laughs> to Planet Earth good morning and welcome to another day here on Planet Earth so, so that's Noah now and this is how he used to sound yay baby <laughs> <laughs> how cool is that and Walt sounds exactly like you did then now. He does. Doesn't he? Um, by the way, Walt is definitely going to be in, in some guys in the rock and roll world. There's no question about it. He plays air guitar basically from the moment he wakes up to the... Or air drums or, you know... It was very interesting yesterday when we arrived home to see Boo, to witness Boo, who's four, um, next, sitting opposite Walt, who's four, because he's her twin, cutting his hair with actual scissors. Wow. Yeah, so now he's got a big lopsided haircut. <laughs> was that the aim? Well, it makes him look, you know, because that was a look for a while, yeah. wasn't it? You yeah, know, longer asymmetric. Longer on one side than the other. What, who? Asymmetric. Asymmetric, yeah. Yeah. So it's quite Nirvana-y, kind of, that kind okay. of thing. You know about the guy who was in Nirvana for a bit and then wasn't anymore? No. And then he was in um, Soundgarden and then he wasn't anymore. Um, and then he became a, I think he was like a Navy SEAL. Fascinating story. Uh, four sleeps to go until the first of three May bank holidays. Okay, now if you're listening on the podcast, obviously um, that's different uh, because it depends when you're hearing the podcast. But as we sit here on Thursday, Thursday the 27th of April, um, we have four sleeps to go until the first of three May day bank holidays. Wow. 
what a what a month May is sort of stacking up to be. Three sleeps to go until the 21k 25 obstacle Spartan Beast Race in Henley-on-Thames, which Tash is still going to do, but no longer with her sort of beastie teammate. Bassos, because he's rebroken his leg whilst running the London Marathon. Is that right? That's right. Isn't it? You have a broken leg right now. I don't like calling it a broken leg. It's a stress fracture, but technically. Well, your leg. Do you have a leg? Yes. yes. Is it broken? Yes. yes. You have a broken leg. Thank you. It's broken. <sighs> Fine. Well, so, sorry. Sorry that that's what it is. <laughs> I apologise. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Um, two sleeps to go until England ladies take on France ladies at Twickenham on Saturday, which you can still take your kids to for a fiver, including the sugar babes at half time. I mean, who doesn't want to go to that? And one sleep or one podcast to go until Ted Lasso appears on this show, which is just so exciting for all of us. We've got big presents for Jason Sudeikis, who plays him. We've got him a, a coronation hamper. You know, uh, and it says light royalty on the front because Ted Lasso, he is light royalty, isn't he? He's very quickly becoming a UK national treasure, even though he couldn't be more American. Knock a doodle do. Knock a doodle do. All going on there. Uh, what else is happening? We may have an olive tasting challenge later because Vassos. olives. Well, we love olives. Yeah. Vassos is Greek and he doesn't love olives, which is a bit of an issue. Olive is also your least favourite food, or one of them now, is that yes, right? Indeed, yeah. um, Vassos can't eat tomatoes and you don't like tomatoes. Raw tomatoes. No, I do not like raw tomatoes. You don't mind tomatoes, or, you know, tomato puree on a pizza, or you don't mind tin tomatoes because you've had those, but oh. not raw tomatoes. Okay, why? what's your issue with raw tomatoes, Vassos? If I eat a raw tomato, yep. I instantly, instantly, like that, that taste, that particular smell and taste, I'm sure you will know it, I just throw up. Um, when I was very young, um, I was looked after by somebody who probably, in retrospect, shouldn't have been looking after a newborn baby three weeks old. But she thought, what would happen if instead of formula milk, I give this baby um, tomato puree, tomato juice? And what happens is, apparently, um, you get rushed into hospital and um, for the rest. Isn't that funny, though? Like 47 years, 48 years later, I still can't abide the taste of raw tomatoes because there's something that happened when I was three weeks old. Well, it may be psychological and or it may be a physical thing because that happened to Michael Winner. Do you remember Michael Winner, who was the um, food correspondent for the Sunday Times, wasn't he, for years? And very funny with it too, he was. And then he, one of his favourite things in the world was steak tartare, which is raw steak with a raw egg, isn't it? And you still get it at loads of restaurants. They serve it at the Ivy near, near, in Marlow, where we are. Um, and I really like it, but he had it once. And I don't know why, but this one didn't sit with him very well. And uh, I think he ended up in hospital. And then after that, he couldn't go anywhere near it. So is it psychological? Is it physical? Is it your, is it your, because you have your, your, your IQ, um, you have your EQ and you have your BQ and they're all real things, aren't they? Because you have your, um, uh, what are they called? Um, the things that you remember things with. What <laughs> oh, cle clearly not using at the moment. Muscle memory. No, not muscle. No, the actual things, the cells. What are they called? Electrons, no, neurons. Yeah, neurons, that's it. So you have neurons in your head and your you have them everywhere. You have them in your ankle. You have neurons in your ankle. You just have more in your brain. And um, I wonder if it's, we should get somebody on. You know, is that a thing? Is it you remembering? You develop an intolerance and your body just goes, no, thank you. Yeah, maybe Expel. that's it. Maybe that's it. That's, we're, we're, that sounds plausible. Mm. Every uh, summer at my granddad's house where he had his own tomato like plants that he he grew tomatoes he would offer me 100 drachmas which is one pound but yeah. that was that sounded quite generous at the time and it doesn't in retrospect yes um if i ate a tomato and i got the 100 drachma whether i threw up or not right um but 
So I, 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 so I did it and threw up every summer. This is explaining so much now. <laughs> no. Your, 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 ch- your child mind are giving you, you know, tomato puree for a laugh when you're three and you're being rushed into hospital. And then your granddad challenged you to carry on eating things that he knows will make you throw up for 100 drachma. This is why you had to go on the psych- psych- <laughs> uh, psilocybin trip to Amsterdam. <laughs> My granddad this is what it's ace. all about. This he, is- was trying to, he was trying to help me overcome this Was he, t- was he medically thing. qualified? <laughs> Because it doesn't sound like it. Was he laughing? Was he an absolute nut job? Sounds like it. <laughs> no, he was an absolute nut job, but in a good way. <laughs> oh, that's all right then. Morning, Chris. Noah and the team. Ooh, I met Noah in the shop the other week where he works, and he served me and my husband coffees during our hike from Turville. Lovely village, lovely shop, and great service. Noah, we'll be back. Great to hear. <laughs> Janice from Leighton Buzzard. See you then. How much is a toasty? Five ninety five. Okay. What's your favourite toasty? My favourite toasties are cheese, tomato, and onion. And what's the secret to making um, your tuna melt? Well, you gotta get the uh, the proportions of the uh, the mayo just right in the tuna, and then you've gotta put the perfect amount of butter on to just make it that perfect sort of equilibrium. The ooze. You gotta get the ooze going. It's all about the ooze. That's Noah now. This was Noah back in the day. Yeah, it is. And the reason we're here. <laughs> That's you, that is. Oh, no. Aww. That was so cute. Sorry, what'd you say? No. <laughs> it's like working with Roy Kent. Oh, I was cute, Dad. From Ted Lasso. Peter Andre text. At the height of the mysterious girl fame, there was a rumour passed around that Peter Andre was visiting the Merry Hill Shopping Centre in Dudley, where I worked at the time. The centre was completely overrun with people, but it turned out to be a lookalike called Peter Andrex. <laughs> Andrex? <laughs> yes. That's an interesting choice of a lookalike name. Well, no, it's because it's Andre X, isn't it, if you mm. look at it? You look good on the poster. I mean, it sounds like a toilet roll, yes. so it's funny as well. Okay. I don't mind it. Uh, you haven't, did you not like it? I don't know. I just think maybe you could. Have... Okay, if you were a Peter I know, Andre, that's what I'm thinking. If you're a Peter Andre tribute myself? act, what would you call yourself? I don't know. I made us all laugh out loud. I thought it was fun. Um, yeah. There were some very disappointed people, and it was a moment I will never forget. Sorry. Oh, Bex from Dudley. Mysterious girl, I get close to you. Are you right with Bex's ex? Yeah, I don't mind hers. Okay, it's just the Andre X. Yeah, yeah Andre I just Andre. Okay. Uh, Thursday plans Chris and the gang. Today includes Noah because his teachers are striking and he is smashing it here in London. Val says, my project this morning is a rainbow bobble hat for your latest box fresh listener. Little Arky Sterling, who boasts the coolest granny on planet Earth. That's me, my bestie. Hurrah! Rachel in Newcastle underline. My Thursday is currently looking like this. I'm just about to start with a 5k run. Then I'll be getting a tooth out and heading into work to be audited. I booked the Invisalign appointment with the dentist, do you remember? Yeah, and then you thought, actually, no. I cancelled it, yeah. yeah. And then I had a dream last night that I'd done it. And I had the smile. Were you pleased with it? Yeah, I was really pleased with it. Oh, so what will you do now? I don't know. I just have more dreams like that, I think. (laughs) I also dreamt about the fact that Tash and I were responsible for Gary Barlow's catering on his latest tour. Uh, And he only wanted her leek potato soup. And um, he didn't want anything else. So I said, well, what do I do? She said, well, just just, why don't you stir it? And then I woke up. What does that mean? (laughs) Ted Lasso really is a brilliant show and one of the best TV shows at the moment. I think it's my favourite TV show of... No, oh, I nearly said of all time then. It's... it's def- okay, Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. Chernobyl. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ted Lasso. That's what I'm going to go with. Okay. Okay, top three now. 
Won't hold you to it. Big Just... Little Lies. Oh, no, OK. Oh, yeah, OK, that. top five Big Little Lies. OK. Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso. And the Horn Section TV show. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> she got up and finished fourth then, didn't she? <laughs> no taskmaster in that. Thought. I hope she remembers she, she's married to Alex Horn, who makes television shows. <laughs> so you went, you went for the one that needs the most promo? Well, I thought I'd go for the, uh, the, 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 the niche cult classic. Okay, excellent. What about you, Vasso? Ted Lasso. Lasso from Vasso, yes. Lasso from Vasso. <laughs> yes. Oh, that might be in the queue, the intro. Um, By the way, Ted Lasso on this show tomorrow. Knock a doodle do. TFI. Oh, thank you. Uh, and. Yes. I really liked the A team when I was a kid. Fine. I, 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 I really liked that. I, I used you... to look forward to that so much. A team. Uh, if you just said If you just said TFI Friday, the big breakfast, and don't forget your toothbrush, I would have expected you want something. Yeah. Like alone. What about you, Noah? Come on. Top three. TFI Friday, the big breakfast, and uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a good answer. It's a good answer. <laughs> so tonight, over in America, North America, the United States, in fact, James Corden will be hosting his final ever late late show. Eight years after he hosted his first, and I remember this story dropping in the papers because uh, we were doing this show and it was on the bottom of page three of the sun i'll never forget it james Corden to go over to the us to host um the late late show and i thought really that's interesting and i i was like that's not what he does i mean he can turn his hand to anything little did we know he was gonna land over there and literally rule the roost what a rain he's had They've offered him $50 million a year to stay, and he's not interested. And if you don't believe me, here it comes from the horse's mouth. James Corden on the Howard Stern Show, asking him about reportedly being offered all the money. James, reportedly you were offered $50 million to stay in late-night television. I know there were things you want to do, and you were talented, and you've, you know, you've acted, but that's a tremendous amount of money. The decision to leave the show is based on so many... There's so many factors that it's pretty impossible to, to drill it down to one. And for us, it was like, where do we want to raise our children? There are people at home who are getting older, and we really felt that during COVID. And I think everybody felt that's not even... Even if your family were two states away, you felt it. You felt cut off from everybody. And there was a couple of health things that, that came along that made us just feel like there are too many signs here telling us to go home. And so, look, if I allow myself to think about the financial aspects of walking away from this, it does. it makes... My chest tight because who would I get it? I get it. Why would you do such a thing? But then the truth is time with my parents to be able to. To be able to call my dad on a Thursday and go, what are you doing today? And he say nothing. And I say, do you want to go for lunch? That is a feeling that I'll just never, ever, ever get back he's always been a smart cookie and now he's getting wiser by the day james corden coming back to the uk next week
And then uh, there's the uh, the beans on toast story. Uh, beans on toast and fish fingers are good for you. Ultra processed foods have been demonised for decades with gloomy warnings that they make us fat and raise our risk of cancer. But top nutrition experts today claim some are being wrongly villainised. Baked beans, fish fingers and whole, me- whole meal bread, rather, can all form part of a healthy diet, according to the British Nutrition Foundation, the BNF. Well, we always have a tin of baked beans, don't we, Noah, on the back burner at home? Always. I mean, it's every day mm. there's a pan at the back. A weekends, you know, it's a big pan and there's lots of beans in it. Um, but, you know, they'll go two or three days, won't they? I like them more congealed, over, but it's always Heinz baked beans and it's always going on. And Tash is like, she's massively health conscious and she she's already said this. Um and I'm happy to go with it, as long as the BNF uh, isn't sponsored or funded by Heinz. And I haven't checked that. I mean, uh, yesterday, yes. I was making I was making a ridiculously healthy mm. kind of brunchy thing for myself with, like, beetroot, and I put some flaxseed in it. Yes. And I thought, you know, I mean, I, I do like I do like this. I'd made my own hummus and I'd made my own happy pear um, pesto as well. And it was it was all good. It was, all the stuff was good. And it's seeds and all, you know, just all f- fantastic stuff. And I thought, what if, what if in a year's time, yes. somebody like the BNF came out and said, actually, no, we got that wrong. All that stuff isn't healthy for you. And the stuff that's healthy for you is ultra processed food. And that sort of happened. <laughs> Doesn't BNF also, or did it also stand for British National Front? Quite possibly. Yeah. That's not great, <laughs> is it? I don't think so, anyway. I was going to say, that sounds like a delicious sandwich. The wholemeal bread, fish fingers and beans. Oh, oh don't get yes. me started on the old fish fingers sandwiches. Because, uh, Noah, you are vegetarian. Mummy is plant-based, isn't she? Uh, so you can have your fish fingers. Mummy can have her plant-based fish fingers. Recommended to us by Laura Brand. And they are as good as a plant-based substitute gets for something that isn't plant-based. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. So, um, yes. We were introduced uh, by uh, Laura Brand to these fantastic little sandwiches, and it's basically it's a uh, ciabatta. Um, Toasted with, ciabatta. Yeah, slightly toasted, yep. just so it's crispy. Mm-hmm. And then with the um, with some iceberg lettuce, yep. some uh, fish fingers and some mayonnaise, and it is the best thing It's got to be Ikea mayonnaise, though, hasn't it? Because mm. we've all got our own bottle of Ikea mayonnaise, that we, and we've written our names on the bottles with a Sharpie, and the same goes for our ketchup. True. Uh, some people are running low though. It's time we went back. Yeah, we need to we need to revisit. We've got to stop mentioning IKEA on the show every day. It's like the show is sponsored by IKEA, and it's not. It's host. It's sponsored by our headline sponsor, Cinch. Why do you have individual bottles of condiments? I don't know. Why do we have that? Well, because we've got two four-year-olds in our family, and they can get very picky around tea time. Yeah, and also they can get very sort of possessive these. over their bottles. And so they now know that if they use too much ketchup, it's theirs that runs out. It's a, it's a lesson in, okay. you know... And are you the same? Profligate. No, I'm all right with it, aren't I? Mm. Yeah, I've got mustard as well, because IKEA do, IKEA do mayo, mustard, and ketchup. Excellent. And stop saying IKEA! Stop getting Start me to say cinch. Yeah. <laughs> Heidi Horton jewellery set to shatter Liz Taylor's auction record. One of the world's most spectacular collections of jewels is expected to break the record set by Elizabeth Taylor's gems when it goes on sale in Geneva next month. Now, I thought this is an actress I've never heard of. Have you heard of her, Heidi Horton? No. No, because she isn't, okay. basically. She's a billionaireess, um, or she was, I don't know if she's still around, and her jewels are estimated to bring $150 million. They don't have the cachet 
of uh, celebrity with them, but apparently they're just awesome they're collector's really items. What? They're really sparkly. Sparkly, and also she had a very you know great taste in vintage jewellery. Talking of auctions, oh so bohemian Freddie six million pound treasures sold by his ex fiance are going under the hammer as well at Christie's. Uh, we haven't got the catalogue yet because it's not been printed. They're going on display first. Do you remember David Bowie's auction at Sotheby's a couple of years ago? That was very exciting. This is not dissimilar. And the lots include Freddie's crown and cloak that he wore famously at Queen live at Wembley. And this isn't the Live Aid uh, cloak, not from the image anyway. It may well be the same cloak and crown, but you remember Queen live at Wembley? That was a great gig. We simulcast it on the radio. It was on Channel 4 at night, live, and then Channel 4 did a deal with independent radio where we would broadcast it in stereo, and we had to make sure that the sound was at the same speed as the pictures, which Ed will know isn't always that easy to do, is it, Ed? Yeah, absolute curse. Thank you. I was um, listening to A Whole Lot of Love by Led Zeppelin yesterday, and it goes crazy in the middle. Um, and it's, it sounds like it's phasing, and the way you phase is by playing some playing the same track twice, very similarly, but one goes slightly behind, and it starts to mess with the technology, and then you get that... You won't know when it's happening, but you'll feel some sense of a fourth dimension, musical, audible, fourth dimension. But in Led Zeppelin's A Whole Lot of Love, um, something happens in the middle and it goes off. I mean, off. I was in the gym yesterday. I put it on. I was like, oh, it I mean, it literally do doesn't get any better than this. You know, you're getting high on a, a, a lawful, you know, non-illegal supply of like the best drug in the world. It's music. It's Led Zepp. It's Jimmy Page and Robert Plant at the peak of their powers. And it was a mistake by the sound engineer because he accidentally opened a fader and if you open the mics too close to no he opened the tape fader and if you open a tape fader that was recording back in the day on reel to reels if you open it as it's recording you get a bit of echo um and that's why that sounds so good it was a mistake yes but it's meant to happen that's great written in the stars is that an 80s song we i mean we could do a lot worse than a whole lot of love do, 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 do. I need love. <laughs> What's the matter? Mira is saying we can play with Serious Rocking tomorrow. We're not going to have time. We've got so many guests tomorrow. We've got Ted Lasso tomorrow on the show. We've got the Happy Pair live from Ireland. You made the Happy Pair pesto. Or oh, you're going to bring some in. Yesterday. Yeah. Tash made the Happy Pair curry. And I did the thing now. Um, I just couldn't resist sending them a little video of the Happy Pear Curry live to Ireland. Happy Pear, Stephen and David. Guess what we're having for dinner tonight? <laughs> Your vegan curry made by not him, not her. It's Walton Booth. But... Ha! Huh? <laughs> Happy Pear! And it's great because they replied with a video this morning. Do you want to, do you want to hear yeah, their live video this morning? Here we go. Oh, here we go. So sorry, 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 sorry. Chris. Chris. Wasn't a long video. I mean, it could have been better, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> What's he doing that then? Why is that happening? I don't know why that's happening. Here we go. Chris, you legend. That was you're lovely. I love gas. that. Hope you enjoyed your happy pear curry. This is my little boy, Theo. Suey. What's suey mean? Anyway, we're down swimming, doing yoga. Uh, hope you're doing fabulous. Already, today. Yeah, really are, really are. Should be great crack. So, uh, yeah, wishing you. We're just out of the sea. We did our swimming. We did our stretching. We got a little, little decaf little, uh, Americano. Decaf. So we're elected. We're winning. 
Anyway, sending loads of love. Hope you have a wonderful and day. I love to Tash. It was lovely to see Tash. Yeah, yeah it was good. Grand. Should we see you Friday? Can't Cheers, Chris. On the show tomorrow. Happy pets. Cool, isn't it? So cool. They've already done all that this morning. They've already been open water swimming. They've got the decaf going on. Um, and it is clouding over here. Uh, if you're just waking up now, you've missed the sunshine. Often happens. It was go- the serpentine was gorgeous with a sunrise. Come on! Should we get back to Freddie's auction? So yes, please. This is this is you know when you read about this story, it's in all the papers today, and they've shown a few of the highlights so far. His some of his waistcoats are going up for sale. Some of his jewellery, his big uh, art collector, as many of the, you know, real sort of genius musicians were in the 70s and 80s, because the vast majority. Of the um, of the receipts from the Bowie auction came from his artwork because he was a big art collector, wasn't he? And it's not dissimilar with Mercury. And I know that David Bowie's auction total was ten times the estimate. And I think this is going to be the same. Of course, it is. Gonna, you know, the, the guitar that he wrote "Crazy Little Thing" called "Love" on is up for grabs. They say that's going to go for a few thousand. It's going to go for so much more than that. But what's really interesting about the article is nothing to do with the lots for me, uh, even though I love them. His star-shaped glasses from Bohemian Rhapsody, they say they're going to go for four grand. They're going to go for like so much more than that. They're so iconic. His moustache comb apparently is up for sale as well. I like that. I like that too. I mean, the most expensive pair of glasses ever to go under the Hammer auction, because you know I'm an auction nerd. Mm. Um, I'm going to, I think I know what they were. I'm going to say they were Gandhi's glasses and they went for a couple of million dollars. James Dean's glasses and Elvis's glasses also tend to bring a few quid. But um, I wonder, this kind of, they're going to bring more than four grand. Anyway, so the article goes on to say the items are due to go on display at Sotheby's in London from August the 5th to September before being sold in six sales. The fact that there's an article in the paper about a display that's going on in August and September means that August and September are going to be here before we know it. That's what that screamed to me. Oh, my word. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Oh. Well, I was chatting to Mira this morning and she said, well, I can't believe it's like it'll be June in about two minutes. I was like, what are you talking about? And then I realised she's right. It's almost May. It is almost Ooh. May. Um... So there's the Heidi Horton jewellery, there's the beans on toast, uh, there's loads of other stories here. Um, teen receives more than $9 million in university scholarship offers. Hugh Grant revealed his Oompa Loompa in new Wonka footage. <laughs> what? <laughs> Hugh Grant plays a tiny Oompa Loompa in the upcoming Wonka movie, which stars Timothy Chalamet as the titular chocolatier. The news was revealed to a select audience at Cinema Con in Las Vegas yesterday as part of extended footage that screened for exhibitors. There you wow. go. Very busy, Hugh Grant. He's, I mean, he said he was giving up acting about 15 years ago. That didn't happen. By the way, he sold his Liz, Elizabeth Taylor Warhol about 10 to 15 years ago. Um, and he bought it for, I think he bought it for like less than a million. He sold it for nine million. Good idea at the time. What's it worth now? About 50. Okay. But I think he's all right. I think it's all right for a few quid. Yeah, we, we don't need to worry about Hugh. He and James Corden. Uh, half of avid musical fans say audiences should be allowed to sing along. This is such a hot potato. I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to go anywhere near that. Um, I'm just going to move on with Swansea gas workers misspelling school when repainting the road. They spelled it S-H-C-O-O-L. <laughs> and if they'd have hyphenated the H and the C, it would have said, shh, cool which might have gotten them out of something, but not much. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, great guest time now. Uh, can't wait to talk to this guy. I, my first question is going to be, does he have the most useful passport in the world? Because he is British, he is Greek, and he's also Australian. So well, let's find out, shall we? Vassos, the big intro, please. He's been the not-so-mysterious girl on our tellies and in our music charts for 30 years. He's now breaking into the world of kids' fiction with his debut book, Super Space Kids Save Planet Drizzlebottom. So let's get it, Andre. It's Peter Andre. Good morning, Peter. Good morning. Great intro, Vassos. <laughs> Mate, we're going to be speaking Greek, just so you know, Chris. It'll yeah. be very, very... We'll, we'll get subtitles at some point. Yeah. Well, it's okay. <laughs> We don't understand what he's saying when he's speaking English, so don't worry about it. Um, because you were born in Harrow. I was born in Harrow, yeah. Um, so mum and dad are from Cyprus and uh, they were in England. We were born there. They went for a holiday to Australia when I was five, around five or six. And then they said, that's it, we're going. And we all just upped and left and went to Australia. How much of that do you remember? A lot. I remember a lot because, well, my first childhood memory actually was the day Elvis died. In 1977, I was four years old, and I remember it. That's my earliest childhood memory. So from that point on, there were a lot of things I remembered. So I remembered quite a bit of England for for between four and six. And dancing first for you was it dancing? Yes, yeah, so I was. I when I moved to Australia, and it was all very rock. The stations were very rock music, and um, I remember hearing for the first time ever "Rock with You" on the radio, which was Michael Jackson's song. Um, and it was the production of Quincy Jones. And I was like, wow, what's this magic? And, uh, yeah, I started getting into to listening to that kind of music and uh, dancing. Yeah, mainly that. Didn't you win a competition, a dancing competition? Yeah, I did a Michael Jackson dance competition. What was that? So, I, so this is a really weird story because I entered it when I was about 12 and I won my heat. And then I went to the final, which was in Brisbane. Was it on telly or anything? It wasn't, it wasn't on telly, but whoever won that competition the next night got to meet Michael Jackson at the Bad Tour on the Bad Tour. And this is the weirdest story ever because that night I went and did the, um, did the thing, came second, came second in that competition, didn't meet Michael Jackson, went the next day to see the concert. And the kid that had won, which was a young kid called Wade Robson, had gone on stage and I'm sitting there in the audience pretty much devastated and crying because this kid was on stage with Michael and I never got to do it. But that was my first thing. And then I thought, well, dancing's not going to get me anywhere. So I then entered singing competitions. Did you take lessons, classes, dancing classes? No, I just used to watch them. I used to watch James Brown, Michael Jackson, uh, Sammy Davis Jr. You just had it, yeah? Just loved, I just loved watching them as but a you, kid. But clearly you were quite good, though. You were very good. Well, you're coming second in national competition. Uh, yeah, it was. I was good. A lot. I'm going to be honest with you, Chris. Yes. There was only two of us in the first no, competition. Josh, I swear. Get out of here. I swear. <laughs> and I won that heat. I was so happy, but there was only. <laughs> How good or bad was the other kid? 
Shocking. <laughs> Absolutely shocking. There was no way I couldn't win that heat. But of course, right. I told everyone, yeah, I've won this Michael Jackson darts competition. It's like that beauty contest where you come third and there's only three of you. Yeah, or the Elton John lookalike competition where Elton John secretly entered and he came fourth. Is that that's are you? Is that a joke? No, well, no, it's I, it wasn't Elton John, but I think some people have done that. Really? Yeah, yeah, they've done that. They've definitely done that. Bands have done that. It wasn't him. I only say that because I used to live next door, bought three or four to Elton John, and the pub at the bottom of the hill every Friday basically had an Elton John tribute band, just hoping that one day Elton would turn up, and he never did. He used to drive past there all the time, dropping the kids off at school. So then you started singing, and you did win a, a pretty big singing competition. Yeah, so I, I entered quite a few competitions back then when I was a kid, and then they weren't really doing very well. Sometimes, because the judges were so into rock music, sometimes they'd say, right, what are you singing? And as soon as you'd tell them you're going to do Stand By Me by Benny King or or My Girl by The Temptations. Sometimes they'd be like, right, next, before you'd even start, because it was a different era, it was a different time. Um, but eventually there was a talent show called New Faces, uh, which was like Britain's Got Talent. You could sing, you could dance, you could do anything. Went on and for the first time ever on national TV, got offered uh, someone got offered a recording deal live on air. And, and that was you? That was me, and it was the first time. I don't know if it's happened since, but... I remember thinking the next day he is gonna, he he might regret this tomorrow. But it's too late. It's too late. Thank he's, you for modifying your language. Yeah, I, I, I just said thought, you were gonna say something else. No, no, I thought he's gonna go. What have I done? But it's too late. He's already said it on national TV. He has to sign me. So, thankfully, who's it, the guy? Molly Meldrum. Now, Molly in Australia is a, a music icon, absolute music icon, and uh, yeah, and um, and that was it. And then he got me to tour with Madonna and with. Bobby Brown what? and all these greats. I I was the only support act for um, the girly tour in Australia for six weeks. Stadiums, uh, it was it was incredible. So what? Tell us about you and Nerves then. How, how were you with that? I was really I was okay um, then. I I found I got more nervous as I got older. Interesting. Yeah, because I I you know you, you're so, so determined as a kid and you you nothing wanna, to lose. Nothing to lose. And then as you get older, you think if you've had some sort of success, you don't want to fail. It's, oh, it's, it's, it's crazy, it's, eh? It's a weird life. How, how, what, how did you counteract that? Did you overcome it? Um, no, I, no, I mean, there's still times. Like, for example, if, if... OK, I'll be honest with you. If you were sitting in the audience, uh, say people that know and love music, all types of music like yourself, I'd probably find that more nerve-wracking than right. if I was in an audience of 10,000 people that... Right would just you know because you're somebody that's that's met everybody within the industry so it, it's a it's a weird sort of feeling but it's not i think it's humbling to be like that and not be cocky and yeah no they, they yeah. say that anybody who's really any good at anything um will have imposter syndrome for most of the duration of whatever it is they're good at while they're doing it and if they don't they're probably not the real deal you know oh, yeah that's the thing isn't oh. it Touring with Madonna, supporting yeah. Madonna. I mean, come on. She was brilliant, and and she was really nice. I remember because Molly, so so Molly's role in Australia, um, he was not only a music icon, but he was also a journalist. So when Madonna or Prince or any of the royals would come to Australia, they would only allow Molly to interview them. So he had access to all these people, and um, and he would introduce me, brought me up to meet her, and she was she was great. I mean, this was the icon of the 80s yeah, yeah, and now totally. it's early 90s and i'm standing there on stage with her thinking this this Crazy, can't be eh? right this can't be right did she give you any tips or did you um she 
no, I mean, she was just, she was just nice. The The thing is that as a lot of big American artists were, you know, there was like 30, 40 people around them. And sometimes if they didn't know who you were, it would be very difficult to get to that person. But because Molly had direct access, she was great. It was just literally just talking about life. Nothing, there, there, there was nothing pretentious about that situation when I met her. Well, she'd earned her stripes, hadn't she? You know, I mean, she came from nothing, from nowhere and nothing, and she literally ruled the and world. And she was beautiful. I remember seeing her in real life thinking, wow. I mean, I don't know how old she would have been early 90s, but I remember thinking, I mean, she she's very just... small, isn't she? Like, unbelievably small. She's small, but so am I, so I was quite happy yeah, with that. Yeah, you're happy with that one. Okay. <laughs> My wife's quite tall, so it was really difficult. So no. so, you, so you started to smash it. Uh, first um, song uh, charted, but only, like, in the sort of upper echelons of the top 100. Um, and then what was, the t- what was the tipping point for you for chart success, and where was that, and which song was that? So in Australia, the f- we, we did the first song, and it went in at number 72. And Australian charts worked a bit different to the UK charts you can debut low but it climbs that um, used to be the same here but it's changed yeah, yeah but it, whereas that's right because in the mid 90s here you had to debut high otherwise yeah, that was all it. over yeah um and and i remember i was so ecstatic that i'd got in the top 100 in australia the record company were a bit like oh <laughs> this isn't great um and then we did a song called give me a little sign which was an old brenton wood cover and uh, Molly was like, you've got to do this. And, and he sent me over to work with PWL, Phil Harding and Ian Kerno from that team. And yeah, and the song was huge in Australia. It was it was bigger than what Mysterious Girl ended up being here. Right. It was massive. And I think it ended up being the sixth biggest selling song of the decade in Australia. I mean, it was huge. And pop was not big there, so that was that was a big breakthrough. And did pop pay then? Because there, there's pop, you know, pop and people getting paid properly as has its cycles, you mm. know. And some people did really well around there. Yeah. I hope you were one of them, you know. Without telling us things you don't want to tell us, was you know, did your life change? Because sometimes you know this, everybody, most people know this by now. It looks like you are successful, period, but you're not. You're on mm. TV shows, you're on the front of magazine covers, but you don't get paid for any of that stuff. Mm. Did you do okay? I was very lucky because the, because the music was working in other countries as well. And I remember one day, I'll never forget this, I went home in the mid-90s and I said to Dad, I'd partied, I'd done all the things that, you know, you're in your 20s and you're young and you just don't think and you're not investing. And I went home one day and I said, Dad, I just, this must have been about 94. 95 before things started happening in England and I said dad I just I, I don't I don't have anything and he turned around and he said hmm he said well I hope you've learned this lesson and I was like well yeah but what am I going to say what am I going to show and he said luckily enough I saved for you and all these royalties that were coming in that I had no idea about dad saved and I had enough to buy two or three great properties and so I started buying properties from before things happened here. God bless Dad. And thankfully, uh, years later now, I've... Because a lot of people go to me, how do you... How how are you doing okay? You know, like you've had songs in the 90s and a lot of it is property. I've, I was very lucky to buy properties um, since the 90s. And you really thought you were skin. I you thought weren't. I was skin. And Dad let me believe that for a while because he said, this is a valuable lesson for you. He said, don't get cocky. And then silly me came to England. Thankfully, things took off again, and I became cocky again. And I, 
I learned the second time after the second time of being cocky, I said, that's it. I'm never going to be like that again. Yeah. I, I'm so grateful Fuck for off. everything. <laughs> yeah, no, no way would I do that again. Well, well done, pal. Um, and then you're on the telly and you're judge. You're on the panels that used to used to audition in front of the panels. Now you're a panelist or your judges on mm. various different shows everywhere. Um, we have to fast forward. There's so much to talk about with you. It's so cool, man. Uh, I'm a Celeb was fantastic for you. Yeah. And then Mysterious Girl was a re-hit. Yeah, Bigger that's the right. second time than the first time. Do you know, it made the Guinness Book of World Records for being the only, uh, I think, for the, the amount of times it got released to get to number one. I think it was released officially three times. Right. And it had had its peak in the 90s and then came back in 2004 and went back to number one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a bit... That was amazing. And do you know it was called Mystery Man first, this song? <laughs> this Why? Song, let me explain. <laughs> Why? So the, the, so we were in the studio and my friend Ollie Jay, he was playing these chords and we, we started writing some stuff and we were just having a bit of a muck about. And then we got, I said, we need something in the chorus that's going to be great. And he said, well, I got this idea of Mystery Man, which is basically like Shubba Ranks where the girl says, Mr. Lover Man, and he replies... The girls are going to sing, oh, oh, mystery man, I want to get close to you, and you have to answer it. And I said, look, I'm a kid from Australia. Me trying to rap, or it's just not it's not going to work. So we decided to flip it. So that that was never meant to be. That was never meant to be Mysterious Girl. It was meant to be Mystery Man. I'm somehow glad we changed it, only because it it, it ended up being much better. Me trying to rap would have been a Also, Absolute Mysterious disaster. Girl is more mysterious and intriguing and enigmatic than Mystery Man. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the fact it's mysterious. It's a nicer word, isn't it? That's right. You can sort of, it has more rhythm to it. Yeah, you're right, because it was mystery man as opposed to mysterious. mysterious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, well, look, you hear, you, how many cloaks of, you know, many golden colours have you worn? Uh, and here you are writing your first kids' book. It's really good. I mean, you've got to be careful with kids' books because they've got to be good. Um, it's called Peter, well, it's not called Peter Andre. It's written by Peter Andre, uh, Super Space Kids, Save Planet Drizzlebottom. Uh, by the way, uh, stories about mystery girl, uh, sorry, mysterious girl being mystery man uh, that we couldn't broadcast. The one about the pineapple, unbelievable. <laughs> thank, God you, thank God you didn't go there. See, I'm letting you take over on this one. <laughs> oh, Peter Andre with us this morning. Uh, he's here to talk about many things. Super Space Kids, Save Planet Drizzlebottom is his first kid's book. You have to be careful. You have to be respectful when writing a kid's book, don't you, Peter? There are rules. Absolutely. The thing was, uh, growing up, you know, we were, we were very very religious so the only books we we read were really biblical books which I know sounds ridiculous but um, it was it was that so for me when it came time for me to read books to kids I was like well I don't know I didn't know what book to pick up so I'd start making up stories and they would be fascinated and they would you know every night we would do some other adventure in space and I thought I wonder if anyone would be interested in this and as soon as we approached Scholastic they were like love the idea and so hopefully this is now one of of a series of these kind of books, so different planets now. Well, it's a great story. Um, it's a lovely story, and they have to be. They have to be good stories. They have to be funny. They have to be relevant. Um, they have to be reviewed by eight-year-olds on the radio. Are you ready for a review, oh, yes. Justin? Let's go. Okay, who's who's our star reviewer today, Vassos? Our star reviewer is our youngest daughter. She's called Mary. I have to warn you, Peter. She's searingly honest. She doesn't like she'll say it. Is she full Greek or half Greek? She's half Greek. So she's half honest. Okay, brilliant. Yeah. No, I'm just joking, just joking. <laughs> she's actually, she's a quarter Greek. 
No, I'm fully Greek, and her mum is not. not... Are you fully Greek? Yeah, yeah. Hundo? Hundo. My mum's 100% Greek. Peter, he says he's fully Greek. He doesn't like olives. I don't believe him. That's that. You're half Greek. (laughs) What, for the olives thing? Yeah, you can't. That's that's a no rule. And what's the the other thing you don't like? Raw tomatoes. No, that's not so much don't like. That's okay. can't eat. Can't eat because they will kill you. Mm. By the way, when I said she's half honest, I didn't necessarily mean the Greek part either. Yeah. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> All right, well, the reviews are in. Here yeah. we go. Um, actually, before we before we the review, can you frame the story for us? Yes, so who, sure. Who are you superstars and what do they get up to and what do they want to achieve so, Beca- and, and why? Okay, so basically there's all these different planets that we're discovering now and uh, we're finding that some of these planets are are really strange. For example, this particular planet is all grey. Everything on the planet's grey. The the food, the Trizzle. the people. Bottom. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the, so it was initially called Planet Grey, but then we thought that's not going to be appealing, and then we wanted to call it something to do with drizzle. And then someone said, you know what, kids love in books is the word. There's certain words they love, and <laughs> yeah, bottom, bottom is one of yeah, them. And I thought right underpants, away. bottom, burp, <laughs> fart. Yeah. So that's how this all came about. <laughs> poo, bogies, drizzle poo, earwax. That's the next one. I mean, <laughs> keep them coming. I'm writing these down. Um, and then, and then, so basically, the the scientists of their worlds can't figure out why the planets are like that. Our scientists can't figure it out. And one day, this lucky school get a chance to go on an expedition. And it happens to be my daughter and my son's school. Um, and they they get, they get go on this expedition. But my daughter, being intuitive like she is, thinks, while I'm there, I'm going to try and figure out why everything's grey. So she gets there, the food's grey, the, the grass is grey, everything's grey. And she anyway, they, they end up doing this expedition, getting little samples and stuff. And as she's there, she starts to realise that everyone looks a bit miserable and everyone's focused on similar things to devices. You know, they're not phones because it's a different planet. So whatever they are, they're on these devices. Everyone's heads are down, very similar to what happens here. And the story goes that she eventually figures out that maybe if they start reconnecting, the colour will come back. And it's such a simple concept, but what happens is, of it's course... beautiful, isn't it? She ends up... Yeah, she ends up figuring out this problem and they become superheroes. And well, you, they have to go to from Drizzle Bottom simply to Drizzle Poo, mm. Drizzle Burp. Absolutely. Yeah. Drizzle Underpants. <laughs> drizzle Bogey. <laughs> drizzle Bogey! <laughs> Yeah, bogeys are good. Wow. Yeah, Maybe they go in a bogey. Mm. Maybe their new spacecraft is a bogey. <laughs> a um, anyway, the reviews are in. Is it any good? Sounds great, but is it actually any good oh. from an eight-year-old's point of view? Here we go. I thought Super Space Kids was brilliant. Drizzlebottom is a very funny name. And it's true. People do get boring and great when they just sit looking at their phones. We're not allowed phones at the table. Which is good because we don't want to be grey like the drizzle bums. <laughs> oh my god! Thumbs up. Yeah. She is brilliant. all the likes. She's actually she's giving you drizzle bum as well. Drizzle bum. I know. Yeah. They, 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 this is good. Yeah. This is really good. I'm just writing that down. It's fantastic, <laughs> and it it's like it's also a TV show waiting to happen because the illustration is amazing. Yeah. She is amazing, Katie, Katie Kier. Yeah, unbelievable. The the weirdest thing about this was. Obviously, she's never seen pictures of my children before, um, and I thought, well, how is she is she going to be able to, to to put in illustration some of the words and the way I'm describing their facial features? Because originally I'd written three or four thousand words, and we had to condense it. And some of the bits taken out, I thought, but they're descriptive. Can it be done in illustration? She not only got the illustration unbelievable, but somehow 
was able to make Theo and Millie look like Theo and Millie. I looked at it and I said, wow. And my wife said, did you send her a photo? And I said, no. It's amazing, I, I, it? She's br- absolutely genius. All right. So Peter Andre, Super Space Kids, Save Planet Drizzle Bottom, illustrated by Katie Keir. By the way, you know, another potential host of a radio show here. Oh, hello. Welcome. If you need an Aussie accent, I'm your man. Yeah. With the odd Greek word thrown in. <laughs> and a little bit South African sometimes, your accent as well. Yes, because South Africa and New Zealand, to be, to be honest for me, sometimes they're really hard to differentiate. Well, you're very New Zealand today. You look like you're training for the All Blacks. Mate, the... absolutely. Tell us about you and trackies and baseball caps and, <laughs> and the grief that you get from some members of your family. I love oh, the way you dress. Gosh. And by the way, I think you, you absolutely smash it. However, the children... Oh, they they roll their eyes. My, my <laughs> daughter, sometimes I'll come downstairs and she go, don't ever wear that again. <laughs> and I said, well, are you going to at least say you like the shoes? No, I don't. Said, Dad, why are you why are you trying to dress like a teenager? And I said, I'll tell you why. Because the minute I stop, I know I'm no longer young. I know I'm not young, but I feel young. The minute I stop, it's over. Peter, I can't believe that you're 50. <laughs> you are the youngest looking, uh, you know, appearing energy, energetic 50-year-old I have ever met in my life. Oh, and mate. I meet a lot of well people because we have a lot of well-being people on the show a lot of athletes right. on this show a lot of people who really sort of put their health span ahead of their lifespan but you look so well my friend i well thank you very very much my dad's 89 and he he looks rocking and i just keep thinking i mean i'm only what 54 i'm only 30 i'm not that far behind <laughs> i just realized how many years i've got till i'm 89 but he looks amazing and i think I always say to dad, what, it, what, what is it? And he just said, I always smile. I don't look at, I don't, I just laugh and laugh and laugh at our own jokes. That's one of the things that we do. Um, but thank you. No, I, I, I feel young. I feel very young. Yeah, I mean, Vassas and I, we've talked about Sniper's Alley before, which is, you know, a part of your life where you go usually sort of midlife from anywhere between sort of 40 and 60, can be 45, mm. 55, whatever, where you go through this period in your life where some illnesses come and try and get you. And it's called Sniper's Alley. You know, and if you go for the right test and check right. up and you look after yourself and you change your lifestyle, you get through Sniper's Alley, then you're okay for like the next 10, 20, or you should be mm. for the mm. next 10, 20 or 30 years. Um there is a version of that, isn't there, in behaviour. We've just been talking about it outside. It's like Sniper's Idiot's Alley. Um, yeah. And, you know, we go through it. I've been through it. You said, how did you get over being a bit of an idiot? I said, I don't know, because I had to get over being a lot of an idiot. <laughs> so, but you, once you sort of you realise you can take anything seriously but yourself, because nobody else really does, mm. even though we're all obsessed with what everybody else thinks, then that's a great revelation as well. You're spot on, Chris, because I've, I've thought this. I thought the minute I stopped... The minute I realise no one actually cares is the minute that you go, oh, I can relax a bit now. Yeah. Because I went through a stage in the nineties where I was, I, it was just an arrogance, and I I remember guys, you know, not being very nice towards me, and I think, but I totally get it because had I seen that guy, I would have said the same thing, and yeah. that guy happened to be me. So I I was glad at some point to go. Get over it. It's no one cares. Get over it. And and the minute you start to accept that, it's like, oh, you feel much better, you know. And uh, and yeah, good lessons along the way. Good lessons along yeah, the way. Yeah, and then your there. wings start working again. You can fly because because you stop flying or being able to fly. And you think, well, these 
what's going on here? And because you forget yeah. to put the work in because there is momentum, isn't there? And then there's, you know, there's installments and deposits in the bank account of effort. Mm. Um, and, you know, when you're, when you're rocking, you know, you turn up for work and it's about the process. Oh, obviously there's an outcome. Then there are expectations from yourself and other people around you. But then you sort of cruise, don't you? Mm. Um, and mm. you forget that actually cruising is making withdrawals without knowing it. And then you turn around one day and you think, oh, hang on a minute, I might be in deficit here. I might be, I mm. mean, there might be a, a debt guy. I might be in the red, you know, not yeah, financially, right. but Absolutely. you know, from where I am in, in my career, our careers, whatever that may be. So, um, I want to talk to you about TV shows because reality shows, which you, you know, you started mm. a very successful reality show. It's very, it was, it was sort of, it wasn't at the beginning of it, everything that went on with reality shows, but it was, it was pretty soon after, you know, there was still, um, you know, money and gold in them, their hills from a content point of view. Now, of course, with the Kardashians and things like that, you know, it's, it's a bit like, I think, take that and the Spice Girls, because mm, take mm. that were really, really, really successful. And then the Spice Girls came along a minute later doing more or less a very similar thing, but being an all-girl band as opposed to an all-boy band, but made two million times more mm. money because certain things were realised by the blueprint that Take That had laid down. What do you, what did you think after your show? What did you think of the other shows as they were unfolding? And what did what had they learned from yours? And what did you think about yours that you could have done that you didn't do? And how it's all still playing out because you were there at the beginning yeah. of all this. Well, I remember the Osbournes were first. They were the they originals, were the first. and I remember they did. I think they did up to a certain amount of series, and then they called it quits. And we, I think when you start a reality show, at the time you don't think we're doing a reality show. Yeah. They're just filming everything and then it starts to sort of come together. Look, there's a lot of things that were great about that time. Um, things I regret, of course, things I regret. One, the main one being that, uh, and what made me want to stop was losing my brother because when, when my brother was going through his... Um, you know, the treatment, the chemotherapy, we we absolutely thought he was going to be fine. Yeah. And he was like, I, you know, I want to be the one standing and telling the story at the end. And then when things didn't quite go right, I remember I just thought I'm going to be grieving publicly for years. And it was the, it was the moment to stop. But also bits I regret, and it goes back to that arrogance, is I know it's very easy to go back and see some of those things and be like, oh, I can't believe I was like that. I can't believe I said that. I can't believe... Yeah, yeah. And at the time, when you're living life, you don't think. Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, it's always there. Yeah. And you're like, oh. So now when people say, oh, do, do you want to do it? There's moments where I've thought, yeah. And then I've thought, no, I've gone past that. That's, It was great fun. There what do you think of the other shows that came after yours? Um, I think there was some... I, I, what I liked, what happened, what happened, I think, is it started to become slightly scripted reality. Not, right. not Because things not, had to happen. Yeah, so when you had like uh, the the only ways Essex and those shows, there was some script in it, but also reality, and I thought it was a, it was a great new way of doing it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously, a lot of people became hugely successful from that. But I think that the ultimate kings, apart from the Osbournes doing it or Queens, has been the Kardashians. I mean, they took it to a different yeah to a different level. So I didn't watch many Kardashians. Did you, Rach? Yeah, I remember watching the Kardashians right at the beginning when they were still in like their sort of 
more modest. I mean, still a lovely house, but like a slightly more sort of relatable house in, in Calabasas or wherever they were. Um, and and they were all, you know, they were much, as much as I love a bit of Kardashians for a bit of escapism, their first shows were so much more relatable. Right. right. So I think you, you think you watch those first ones because you could relate and it was almost like you. Whereas now I think the reality TV shows you watch, especially with the Kardashians, well, it became so fancy far, reality, yes. didn't it? As opposed and it's to... look at those houses, look at that fashion. Which is great. It's all cool. Yeah, so it serves a different purpose. I Did think. you ever get to do an MTV Cribs? I, I remember they said, can we do one, but can we use another house? And I thought that was a really odd <laughs> request. <laughs> no, don't blow it apart I, for I'm us. I'm going to blow it apart. Are you sure that wasn't through the keyhole? Because they used to do that house. with through the keyhole no, quite through, a lot. No. Um, no, I said... <laughs> oh, no, all the time. What? No, they offered me through the keyhole. I said, I don't want to do that. I said, it doesn't have to be your house. So, no! <laughs> yeah, so I was like, well, are we going to go and rent some plays? By the way, I like... think that happened. I think, I think that happened. Sorry, go Just on, Peter. Just uh, an entire I'm like, show I'm format. I'm going to get myself in some trouble here. But I was like, I was like, but hang on a second. Um, and then I just, yeah, I remember doing it in some weird hotel. I just and it wasn't your crib. I, if, if, look, to be honest, I, I only speak Greek now. I don't speak English. Sorry, I forget what I said. Sorry. Um, MTV Cribs for me, that was one of the best. Show. That yeah. might be in my top five. Actually, we were doing now our top that five you TV know shows. That it today. might not be their house. What? Even though now you know it might no, not be their house. No, because in America it definitely was their house. Yeah. Because you can't hire somebody else's house with an awards room in it with all your awards in it. And you know, there's a basketball player who had a ranch, uh-huh. right? Which I think was his weekend ranch. Right. Unreal. Not a weekend, Unreal. like you know, boat weekend ranch. Thousands of acres, and you know those huge. I mean, like unbelievably, inconceivably big dumper trucks that they have in quarries. Yes. You know, the ones where the wheels are like, I mean, like 20 feet in diameter and you've yeah. got to get a crane to get up to the cockpit to drive them. He had six of those oh my to, God. for him and his mates to drive at the weekend. And they were the full size. It was unbelievable. And they had a giant basketball that you should nudge it around with these Anyway, no, I loved MTV Crips. I loved. I did. I did have to bring some photos from home, just so you know, and some awards. Dot them around. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great though. All all great stuff. Great stuff. What are you gonna do? What are you? You should get. I mean, they say, people say to me, you should get back on the telly. Um, I can't. I'm doing this every day. But um, what what do you want to do, man? So, I have done my first feature film. It's taken a year and a half, and I've just finished it, and they've they're in edit now. And we filmed half of it in Jamaica and half of it in England. It's very funny. It's a bit like Cool Runnings. Do you remember Cool yeah, Runnings? Of course. It's Great. That one of the best of, films. That kind of um, vibe. Vibe. Very What's funny. What's the plot? So basically, there's a guy called Gary, and he uh, he's a bit of a troublemaker, bit of a you know wheeler dealer, and he ends up uh, using all his nan's money. Who's the nan's in the care home, and he ends up using all her money uh, to kind of fuel his habit. And he eventually realises that his nan's going to get kicked out of this care home. And she's the only person he cares about, right? <laughs> great, so, great plot. So what happens is the lady that's in the lady that's also in the care home, he has to find 30, 30 grand to keep her in. And there's another lady in the care home from Jamaica who keeps telling Gary that he looks like her son in Jamaica all the time. Eventually, he overhears a conversation that the son that he looks like is the only heir to $3 million. So he thinks, well, if I get to Jamaica, if I look like him, if I just keep my mouth shut, I get to Jamaica, I'll get the money and get out of the country in one piece. But what they don't realise is the son that is the heir is a very, very, very big gangster and he's in jail. And when he finds out that this imposter's coming, he, you know, and it's this whole plot of, 
you know, try and be Jamaican or die trying. It's one of those. Very funny. It'll come out later Your dad this year. doesn't pop up at the end saying, don't worry, I've been saving all this. Uh, it's fine. We've got like I can't millions. believe you've given the ending away, <laughs> Grez. Uh, well, let's hope, this, let's hope this sees the light of day on some screen somewhere as well. Super Space Kids, Save Planet Drizzlebottom. You don't have to write the screenplay. You don't have to 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 uh, worry about the storyboards because it's all in here. It looks like an animation waiting to happen. Um, any conversations about that at all? Well, that's a really. I w I'm really hoping that the words of of you, sir, are going to be taken <laughs> and someone's going to offer that. Well, it's yeah. awesome. I could talk to you all day. I, Peter, I know you, you you alluded to the fact that you're a bit of a an idiot in the nineties. It's sort of a bit of all our jobs when we're younger to be a bit of an idiot, as long as you realise later that you can't crack on like that. You've always been completely gorgeous in my company. Oh, Honestly, you. everywhere you've been, I've seen you in public. I've been out with you a few times. You've been on various shows. You've always been delightful. So don't beat yourself up no, too much. Thank you, mate. I really appreciate that. And there's always other people to do that for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Peter Andre, let's give him a round of applause. Yeah. Thank you, guys. How great is Peter Andre? Great to have him on the show today. Once again, the book, Peter Andre, Super Space Kids, Save Planet Drizzlebottom. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Cruikshank. Jesse Cruikshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl. Let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.